You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jem. Hey everyone, I'm Michael Jammon. I'm here with Phil Hudson and we're here for Screenwriters Need to Hear This, the podcast. Hey what Phil. What's up everyone? How's it going, Michael? It's going good. We got a special episode today. I always say that every time. It's always special. I know. But I think this is going to be a fun one because I think it, it's uh, something that's become kind of popular in your social media comments. But before we do that, we just got a really cool review that I think is, you know, do you mind if we share that? I think that's... it's, I think it really highlights <laughs> what I've been saying about the course this entire time. Yeah. I mean, what was funny is I, I was doing, I think it was an Instagram live or it was either a TikTok or an Instagram live. This is only like two days ago. And I had like whatever, a free half hour. So I went on live. And uh, so one guy was asking me, he was just asking me questions about the course. Like I mentioned the course and he asked me questions like, hey, how do I, can I pay for it in six payments? I was like, ah, no, we can only do three payments because that's just how the processor is set up that, you know, the software we have. And he was like, I'm on the fence because it's, you know, it's not inexpensive. So he's on the fence. And I was like, all right, well, if you decide, you know, welcome. If you're not, if you need more time, all right, that's, that's cool too, whatever you want. And uh, and so I'm doing more of the talk. I'm talking, I'm just answering questions. And then he leaves another comment and he's like, hey, I just bought the course. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> welcome to the course. I'll make sure you sign up for the private Facebook group. He goes, yeah, I will. Nope, you know, great. And now I'm answering more questions. Then less than 24 hours later, this guy, his name was uh, Steven. He goes by Mustafa. Uh, he left less than 24 hours later. He left. He he text he texted me um, a comment on Instagram. Text you mean he messaged you? I don't want he people me. thinking he got your phone. Your cell phone no. is not available to students. No, I'm I'm ignorant. No, he he direct messaged me on Instagram and he says, "Hi, Michael." So I purchased your course last night to see if I can get past my writer's block on my pilot that I've struggled with since the beginning of this year. And just after watching your first four videos, I've got a clear and precise story laid out. So excited to say that I got my emotional logline and book report done, and now I'm ready to start my outline. I honestly can't thank you enough for making this course. You are a gift to us all. And then a bunch of uh, prayer emojis. So, which is really nice. Uh, and he hasn't even, he's only been on the first four videos. I mean, I have. Uh, there's like 28 modules in there or something <laughs> like, like that. Plus a yeah. bunch of bonus stuff. I mean, there's hours and hours of content in there. But right. I, I think I think that highlights exactly what I've been saying on these podcasts. Is it's just, it really is, it is the thing that I wished I had 10 years ago. And if I was able to have this resource, which is lifetime access, and once you buy it, it's yours mm -hmm. forever. There's no timeline. You can watch it in your own pace. Um, had I done that, it would have my career would have been a little bit different. I think right now, I'd be in a different place. Be a little, yeah, probably. But you know, it's because I, uh, you know, I like I, I run it the way we run a writer's room, which is like, hey, mm -hmm. someone pitch an idea. Okay, well, well, let's figure out if it's a good, or bad, or a good idea or a bad idea, and let's break it. Let's figure out how to break the story. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, how it is. It's not a lot of theory. I just jump right into it, and this is how we do it. Uh, well, I mean, that's the comment most people say about your social media is like, thank you for being so real. Because uh, there are a lot of people selling the dream out there. And that's something from the beginning yeah. when I would ask you to do this. You said, I can't do it because I don't want to promise people the dream. I don't want to sell them the dream. And that's a lot of people who, you know, you had an interesting comment from somebody else who was quite upset the way you were talking about teachers. And then lo and behold, mm -hmm. he's a teacher who wants to be a writer. And he felt you were being very offensive by the way you talk about it. But, you know, teachers teach and, and some teachers are very good and they also teach. But they're, they're the exception to the rule, right? You are... A writer who teaches, not a yeah. teacher who writes. And yeah, yeah. He got really upset, but I was like, "All right, well, move on, dude. You don't yeah, have to follow me." <laughs> short, short and to the point. So, uh, anyone who's interested in taking the writing to the next level again, 
go sign up for the course, michaeljammon.com slash course. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, thank, you'll thank yourself for it. It's that good. And we've got thank a great group in the Facebook group that will read your, read your stuff, send you notes, and yeah. they're all thinking about it the same way that professional writers are thinking about it. So I found that the notes I get in that group are far better than notes I have from friends I went to film school with. Yeah, yeah. The quality of because yeah, we have a private Facebook group just for students, and uh, the quality uh, of the students I think is very high. Like the you know how you know how they think about story. They're, they're, it's a great group, I think. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we digress. Let's uh, let's dive yeah. into this exciting episode. Today's episode is called "When Good Shows Go Bad," and it was basically a response to a number of comments that you know people, questions people leave like, "Why do the shows suck after a few years?" and you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, what happens? What's that about? Um, so I just thought, here's my take on it, uh, on why good shows go bad. First of all, people accuse the writers, they always accuse the writers, which is normal. You know, they, you lazy writers, why can't they get better writers? And like, which is a little odd. Like if the show started out good, chances are it's the same writers who are continuing on the show. So it's not like they got worse. The writers didn't get worse and didn't get lazy. There's just something about creating a television, doing a TV show. It's, the, the, it's inherently made not to, it can't last forever. It just cannot, it's not by design. So it's not laziness. It's in everyone's everyone's best interest, the actors, the writers. It's in everyone's best interest to keep the, the quality of the show high because that way they buy another season and then we make more money. You know, it's like you want the show to be good so you, you can do more of it. Mm-hmm. And we're not inherently lazy people. It's not like we're trying to become, we're not in it for the money. We're in it for, to be creative. And, it's, it's it's interesting, like, there are products that even that I buy, that I get stupid enough to buy, were, that are made by companies that are in it for the money. Like, and the example is that I have, like, I had to buy a charger for my phone. And a good charger that you get, a good charger is kind of expensive. And then you see, like, a cheap one for a couple bucks. And you go, yeah, it's got a white cord. Why don't you just buy that one? <laughs> it's for a couple bucks. But it charges it slower. It right. breaks. It falls apart. You know, the life expectancy goes away. I have this conversation with my wife all the time where I grew up very poor. And so, you know, my pa- my dad would buy as economically as possible. Mm-hmm. But then you sit down and you, you do the math. When you're buying jeans at Walmart, you're going to buy them over and over again because they're going right. to fall apart faster. As right. opposed to going and buying something that has three times the price tag, but it's going to last six times as long. You're, right. you're going to get more life out of the higher end product. But the company that makes that crappy charger, like they're in it for the buck. They just want that buck from you, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think that's the case with the right. We're not trying to steal money from you. That's not why we're doing it. We're we're trying to delight to delight you. That's our goal. Can we delight you every week, week in and week out? Because that's what we want. We're not we're not, you know, if I wanted to become a, if I wanted to get rich, I'd probably make cheap chargers. You know, that's that's the line of work I would probably go into. Yeah. So. We, we want the, the quality to be good. I think we, we can agree on that. But the problem is, the problem is with each story that we tell, that's one less story there is to tell. And so, and by, by that, I mean, like, I don't mean stories like, um, like plot. I'm talking about emotional stories, like, like exploring the emotional stories underneath each. And so, like, there's certain character dynamics, and you'll run out of those stories eventually. And so, you try to create... That's why you often introduce uh, new characters, or that's why you'll have a, a character arc because that'll stir the pot, and now there's new emotional territory to explore. But eventually, you run out of that as well, and so that's kind of why that's that's the problem with that. The the qual that's why the quality goes. He's like, you know, we've already done that, and so you're trying yeah. to constantly search for new things to do, and that's that's really really hard. Mike, and, and an, by economic, the, 
I was going to say, this is, there's an economic law or principle that applies to this. It's the law of diminishing returns, right? Uh-huh. Which, yeah. which well. it, you know, the definition, the, a, prin- a principle stating the profits or benefits gained from something will represent a proportionally smaller gain as more money or energy is invested in it. Mm-hmm. So literally what you're saying is the more time and energy you put into a show, the return has to taper off because of this principle. You run out of material. You just run and, you know, and it's unfortunate. And, and by the way, when we do introduce a new character or like we make an arc, like maybe they send the character to college or they'll get them, we'll get them married or get them divorced or a new job. We're inherent. We're changing the DNA of the show. We all get that. And so the people who are watching it, the fans are like, wait a minute, that's not the show I signed up for. I don't want this new character. I don't want them to be in college now or whatever. And it's like, I get we're changing the DNA. We're trying to put a little more life into the show. Sometimes it makes it better. Sometimes it makes it worse. Uh, you know, Cheers did it. Friend, friends, would, you know, they would do it. And they did it quite successfully. They'd have this couple, they would start dating and then they would, the other characters would start dating each other. And like everyone had to date each other. To the, but somehow they made it, you know, they, they still were able to breathe interesting life into it, but it was not easy. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to do. And then the other question that I got, and they're kind of like, um, they're related like someone left a question was like, well, why do, why as the show goes on, why do characters get stupid? Why do they get more broad? Why do they get more two dimensional? What's that about? And it's, it's a similar thing. It's like when you, when you working with these characters, you have a trait that, and you explore that, the, the, the trait everyone loves. Let's say the main character's trait is they're deeply insecure and that manifests itself by bullying people. And so that's fun to to write. That's fun to watch. It's funny. It's great. Danny McBride is a great example of that. He always plays characters that are like he's deeply insecure and he's a jerk because of that. And it's always fun. Like no one does that that color better than Danny McBride. He's terrific. But once you explore it, once you keep doing that, no doing and doing it, it's like, well, you got to come up with something else. So you have to kind of top yourself. And we've, we've already seen that. And so we get to a point. Well, well, first we we explore all that. For example, so we'll explore what it's like when he, if he, when an insecure guy meets um, someone who's more insecure than him. What what happens then? Does he bully him? Does he take him under his wing to become his acolyte? Okay, what happens when that insecure character meets a bigger bully? Does he stand up to him? Does he back down? What happens when he goes on a first date? Is he able to keep his insecurities in check, or do they come out? We'll explore all that, but eventually you kind of run out of things to explore with that character trait, you know. And so you get to, the writers get to a crossroad. And the question is, well, do we make this character grow? Do we make them kind of evolve as a person? Do we, you know, do we pull them back? But if we do that, we're taking away what makes him funny. We're taking away what the audience loved about him in the first place, which was this deep insecurity. And if you do make them, if you do pull them back and make them more secure, that's not as fun. That's not as fun to to write. It's also, it's not good for story because people healthy characters making smart, wise, emotionally wise decisions was not good drama. Watching people make mistakes, that's good drama, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take that away, if you have the character evolve, that's not good for story. If you, so now you can push them in the other direction. You can say, okay, you're going to take this insecure person. Let's make them even more insecure. Let's double down, right? You can do that, but then you you definitely run the risk of sending char- that character to crazy town. You you know you're making them more two dimensional, and you're making you know you're you're taking this asset that works, and you're kind of making them too stupid or too whatever. And so we the writers we're aware of this. We understand that 
there's going to be a natural descent of the character of, or of the show. So the goal is to slow it down as much as possible. Let's not go to crazy town yet. We're going to get there. So let's just make that happen as slow as possible. Um, and milk it as much too, so we don't have to. A lot, a lot of times you'll be in a writer's room and someone will pitch an idea and the showrunner will say, okay, that's a season five idea. That's not a season two idea. We're not there yet. Let's not go to crazy town yet. And so you know, these are the things we struggle with we, and we're aware of it. Uh, it's just kind of the nature of, of writing for television. Nothing, it's not meant to last forever. And so it's going to break down. It's not because we're lazy. It's, we're, we're, we definitely want to delight you. That's why we got into the business. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what that's all about. Questions, yeah. Phil? <laughs> yeah, a couple came to mind. You know, one example of this that I'm thinking about is the show Lost, which was like a cultural phenomenon. Everyone watched Lost in the early 2000s. And, you know, about season three, they were begging the network to give them a cancellation time because they mm-hmm. got stuck in this rut where they felt they couldn't progress their story any further until they knew when it the was going to end. Yeah. And Damon Lindelof, you know, has an interview where he famously talks about this. Like, you get to the point where you're writing about Jack's tattoos and how he got his tattoos because you're just starving for content because they couldn't progress their story in right. the main arc until they knew where they were going to go, you know, when it was going right. to end. And so they pushed and pushed for that end date and they finally got it. Um, and then people still didn't understand the ending and hated it. And I, I'm not one of them. I quite liked it and understood what right. they were going for. But that's one example that I, I thought of as you were saying that. Um, in terms of questions, though, one of the things that really stood out to me is you're talking about, you know, what, how does a, what happens if an insecure person meets someone who's more insecure than them? And so what you're really describing here is just general psychology and human behavior. Mm-hmm. How much time have you put into really analyzing that from a you know, a, an educational perspective versus just an observational, I'm a human and I deal with these people all day. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just human stuff. I don't, yeah, I didn't go to school. I didn't, you know, go to psychiatry school. Is that what, I mean, is that what you Yeah, mean? that's what I'm asking. Like, like, do you spend time reading about, um, attachment theory and the way we interact oh. with our relationships versus are you actually like just saying, you know, I've got this friend and I know my friend, so I know he's super insecure and he had this yeah. interesting experience where he, we ran into someone we both know who's also more insecure than him. And it was watching, it was so interesting watching those two kind of compete for attention. Yeah. I mean, I'm more of that camp. I mean, I had a writing teacher say, you know, you get yourself into therapy. And I was like, but why? You know, I'm fine. And I wasn't. But I said why I said that. But if you once you're in therapy, like this is what you discuss. You you try to figure out what makes yourself tick. And then it makes it as you get older, for sure, you see you're able to distance yourself and say, oh, these are uh, my bad behaviors or and then it's easier to write for other characters. You have to understand yourself first before you can write for somebody else. So. Therapy is always good, if, and if you can't afford therapists, there are actually probably uh, you know uh, pro bono places you can go or sliding scale places you can go. I think during COVID, uh, the U.S. government has a lot of resources in the mental health space uh-huh. available because of that. Because you're just and it's not that you're crazy; out. it's just that help you understand yourself because that will help yeah. you understand other characters uh, to be observant of that. And that's part of the job of a writer is really just to kind of you know to observe that, but. It, Sure, you could study. You could pick up a textbook. That you could do that as well if that helps. Mm. But uh, it's really, we're always just stealing. Writers are always stealing from ourselves or our friends or our families and you know stuff like that. Hi guys, it's Michael Jammin. I wanted to take a break from talking and talk just a little bit more. I think a lot of you people are getting bad advice on the internet. Many of you want to break into the industry as writers or directors or actors, and some of you are paying for this advice on the internet. It's just bad. 
And as a working TV writer and showrunner, this burns my butt. So my goal is to flush a lot of this bad stuff out of your head and replace it with stuff that's actually gonna help you. So I post daily tips on social media. Go follow me, at Michael Jammin Writer. You can find me on Instagram, and Facebook, and TikTok. And let's be honest, if you don't have time, like just two minutes a day towards improving your craft, it's not gonna happen. So go make it happen for you, at Michael Jammin Writer. Okay, now back to my previous rant. about like one of the first books I read was the memoir of Phil Rosenthal you're lucky you're funny and he talks mm -hmm. about that they would literally come in the writers room Monday and say all right what fight did you get in with your wife mm -hmm. because that's what you're writing about is right you know we you know we fought about the luggage which is something you talk about from yeah uh, your show yeah I wanted yeah. me because of that right yeah but, right yeah so okay so you're you're really just analyzing and paying attention to other people you're not, it doesn't really sound to me like you're spending a lot of time studying like Jungian archetypes and you know, all no. these literary devices that people spend a lot of time paying attention to. Yeah, no, I just see what's going on with my, 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 you know, my family, my in-laws and I go, all right, that's going in a script, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing in the writer's room. It literally will just be like, well, here's some time, one time this happened and this is how it happened. And then people riff off of that about, you know, mm -hmm. that's the core. Sometimes the core ends up being what it is. And then other times the riffing makes it even more ridiculous. And that's what yeah. ends up in there. Yeah. And yeah. both are great to watch. Yeah. We had that example so. that this week when where the, show, the, the, the two uh, showrunners, the two stars were kind of talking about their past. And I, I just try to look at that's going in guys. Yeah. <laughs> just laughing. You're just in tears because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. this, you know, that that's one of the things that really stood out to me this week in the writer's room was just how important it is that writers get out of out from behind their computer and they just live a life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was a note I read really early on in my in my studies of screenwriting was, you know, write what you're not, write what you know, isn't, I was a deli boy. And so I should write about a deli, which right. might also be the case, but it's really more like, what has your life been? What experiences have you had? Like go yeah. date someone, go get in a fight with somebody. What's it feel like to be punched in the face? What's it feel like to defend your fr friend from, in front of someone? What's it like that's, to cower and not do the right thing? Right. That's, that's right, why, you know, and that's why, Right. If you are interested in writing, like even if you think you'll never become a professional writer, saying that you're a writer, like studying writing and, and writing every day now gives you license to, to mm -hmm. do stuff that puts you out of your comfort zone, that's stupid things to uh, go uh, you know, on a date on with someone you don't want to go on a date with or to dive out of an airplane because you're like, well, I'll get a story out of this. And you mm -hmm. will, you know. And so it's like that's why it's so freeing to that's why I say if you're interested in writing start writing. It's good for you. Even if you're not going to be go pro, that's okay. It doesn't, you know, there's still value in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What other, what other advice do you think people can, what, what I guess, what other advice do you have for other people who are looking for ways to explore and expand their own personal experience? I mean, I, that might be a little broad for our conversation on the podcast, but I think that mm -hmm. is the core of what we're telling people. And, you know, we've had some really deep conversations here where a lot of people are like, I never expected listening to a screenwriting podcast. I would spend so much time doing internal reflection about myself and my life. Right. Yeah. But good. But so, so I think, I think it's kind of on point here, right. Which is the job of a writer is to explore those things. And that's what we watch. And 
I go back to when I was a kid in Tupelo, Oklahoma, hating my life, dealing with all the problems I was dealing with. And TV was an escape for me. It was a way to get out of that and just live someone else's life for a while. And that was so important to me. That's what makes me want to be a writer. And I've done a disservice to myself and other people by not exploring the nuances of how I navigated those situations. And so, again, again, I'm rambling here, but I'm just wondering, is there a specific any specific advice you have beyond that? Well, somebody, you know, when you share of yourself, when you t- when you share that personal stuff that you don't want to talk about, that you're embarrassed about, and someone reads it, they will connect to it. And so you're helping them. And the more intimate you are, the more you share of yourself, uh, it's actually, it's a selfless thing to do, to share yourself, because then that's how people connect with you. If you were to, if you don't do that, if you just, if you keep that wall up, you're not doing your job and you're not helping somebody by keeping that wall up. And so it's not, it's not really, um, it's not uh, narcissistic to be talking about yourself in that way. It's, it's actually, you know, if you do it the right way, it's actually, it's, it's very beneficial. It's very generous of you because that's how people connect. So um, don't be afraid of that. I guess if that, if you're, you know, if that's your, if that's your goal is to write, you know, share of yourself. That's what it's for. That's what, that's what you're doing. You're giving, you're not taking, you know? Yeah. We've talked in the past about journaling. We've talked in the mm-hmm. past about therapy. We've talked about meditation. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, you know, one of the questions that you brought up is what lies am I telling myself? Yeah. Right? All of those things, the introspection. You know, one thing I think I'm noticing with myself and I think applies to many people my age, and I'm a millennial, but I'm also, you know, my wife's 10 years younger than me and she's a millennial, but she's really kind of a Gen Z. And, and, I, and I'm noticing these same trends that, we do not want to be alone with our thoughts. We're not comfortable with that. And so we try to sedate with social media and with mm-hmm. television and with film. And, you know, I hear a lot of people in the personal development world say, turn off the TV. And like, you know, that's hard for me because like it feels like that is kind of homework for my, as, me as a writer is to know what people are writing about. But that doesn't mean it needs to be music or podcasts or video games or something else running 24 mm-hmm. seven. There is important to sit with yourself for an hour and, question what am i feeling and thinking and and, and observing i'm more at peace i'm more i told i talk about this little you know I, i'm doing this collection of personal essays that when it comes out i'll be on here every 10 seconds hawking my book it's called the paper orchestra and i have been more at peace with myself since i've started that book since the moon i was before i i honestly am a more at peace i'm just easier to be around and it's because i understand myself more and it's because the process of writing uh just calms me down. It lets me explore and I don't have to keep it in anymore. Just, Hey, this is what it is. Then people enjoy it and they can relate to it and it helps them. It's just, I don't know. I just, I'm more, it's almost, it's a meditation, you know, doing all that. So, uh, and, and Mark, Marcus Aurelius's book meditations were just his personal collections of him meditating about his days and yeah. this have profoundly helped millions and millions of people since he was here thousands of years ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, Another thing I, I, I may have mentioned this before, it's like some people think, well, it, what if I study writing and I write all the time and then after five years, I still don't sell my script or whatever. I don't get a job on a show or whatever. What a waste. And it's like, why is it a waste? Like you spent all this time writing. You enjoyed the process of writing. You enjoyed it. How is it a waste? Like you, mm-hmm. you grew from it. Why? Because you don't get there's no money attached to it. It's not a waste. It's like you, you, that's how you you blossom as a person, and and I, 
and I forgive, if I, I know I mentioned this before, but not everyone listens to everything I say, so I'm going to say it again. There's, uh, you know, we live, we live um, near an outdoor sports complex, and these people play every day. They play uh, on the weekends. You know, these people are 30, 40, 50 years old, and they play in the leagues. They play softball and soccer and mm. whatever. Uh, and they have uniforms. They take it seriously. They have tryouts. And none of those people are going pro. None of them are. They just play and they take it seriously because they enjoy it and they get a lot of that. They get a lot out of it. It's the same thing with writing. Like if you, so what if you don't go pro? Does that mean you shouldn't do it? It's the same thing as playing tennis all the time or or taking a, a golf lessons to improve your game. Why you're not going to play go pro? Why would you do that? Well, because that's how you get better and you get you enjoy your life more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that you know when I started playing golf in high school, like I'm not good. Like I'm not good at all. But I found myself getting very frustrated and I started noticing like if someone was waiting for me, I would feel very anxious and I would want to just speed through. And I, I learned so much about myself in those moments. It's like, okay, I'm super competitive with myself. And I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing because it means I want to be better and I want to master right. anything I do. I don't think that's a bad thing. But why do I feel so anxious when I feel like I'm a burden to other people? Why do I feel like like I paid the same green fees to be here? Right. I'm waiting on someone else. Like we're all waiting. There's nothing to do with me. But I feel anxious because they're waiting on me, right? And so it forces you to kind of look through those things. And I think anything that challenges you or or that can be a challenge is a good thing. You you talk about how writing for writing's sake is meditation. Being creative and being centered and being focused is the act of being present. And you're not stressed about the life and everything else that's going on there. And I think that's a beautiful thing that in and of itself makes writing worth it or golf or being a professional video game player for that matter, whatever it is you decide to do as a vocation. And that's an interesting character trait to give to a character, someone who, who, you know, feels insecure, feels like they should hurry up, even though the people before them didn't hurry up. And even for, you know, that's interesting. Like, why is that guy? Oh man, I'm a nut. Like I told you, I told you this and no one still is because I'm sure I'll put it in something one day. One time I went to Disneyland with my wife I, th- I wasn't even with my wife. I think it was with some friends and I had to use the restroom. So I went into the stall and I closed the door and I sit down. And I'm doing my business and some guy opens the door and I apologize to him. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so yeah, sorry that so this sorry. happened to you. You walked in on me. Right. But I'm so sorry to you. And that's <laughs> a great yeah, – that definitely is going in somewhere because that's hilarious. Because, because, you know, as you say, like this lunatic's going in my next script because it's yeah. just like – what so is it about do... me? I would apologize to that guy for walking in on me on the, in the stall. Right. So what you do is you you take notice of that when you do it. You make a note in your diary or whatever. You keep notes. You bring it up to your therapist and you, and you say, hey, why did I do this? And then your therapist yeah. helps you explore that. And you go, okay, thanks. I got a story. See you later. You got a yeah. story out of it. You know? Yeah. Well, so, I think that's a great note right there. That, that yeah. in of itself is worth this whole podcast. The, the 20 something minutes you put into this podcast right now is that's your golden ticket. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I mean, there's, you don't have to. Everyone has interesting stories, interesting features, of characteristics about themselves, and it's narcissistic, obviously, just to talk about yourself. But if you can do, if you know how to, if you have a craft to it, then it's not narcissistic. It's you're just you're sharing, and that's mm-hmm. that's uh, you know, like I said, that's generous. So, uh, but if you, but if you're just talking about yourself, and you're talking about yourself in only flattering light. That is narcissistic. So that's like, that's what Facebook is. When people post pictures of their vacation or their lunch or their cat or their award or their score or their, their wordle, you know, like that's narcissistic. Look at me. 
But if you share your weaknesses, then you're opening up. That's wonderful. Uh, and that, that's obviously, I, I know I've talked, this about, I've talked about this as well. That's the difference between Facebook and writing is like, you know, you're not really sharing anything on Facebook. Uh, on, when you do your writing, you're, you are sharing. You're really, you know, you're giving of people. That's why people hate people on Facebook who brag or who humble brag. So mm -hmm. talk about your weaknesses, talk about your foibles, your insecurities, put that in your writing, and then you have something great. To, you'll have something great. Talk, pat yourself on the back, and no one's going to want to read your work. You know? Mm. Yeah. I, I dated a girl who was a child, a child therapist, and I made a self-deprecating joke one time, and she said, I don't like that. And mm -hmm. I, I thought about it, and I said, but that is my way of killing the ego monster that I have because I know uh -huh. I can be egotistical and stubborn. And so me pointing out my flaw is right. hanging a hat on the fact that I am susceptible to human mistake just like other people because there are right. definitely moments when I'm not willing to do that and that ego monster I have gets me in trouble. And that's an interesting character dynamic for a romantic comedy. Like you guys just makes a comment like that and his girlfriend says, I don't like that. And you're like, well, all right, what do I do with that now? <laughs> what do I do with that? This is, this, is, this is what I got. What do I do now? And then the next yeah. scene, you, you don't share as much. And then next scene, you're getting quiet. You know, Why are you I mean, not opening up? What's happened? Yeah. Something's changed. Yeah. So it's yeah. like all that stuff in your life, in everyone's life. Just as long as you're – be conscious of it, put it into your work. You know? And that's how you keep uh, a, a series interesting is embedding these new conflicts and moments that yeah people yeah. can relate to. And you yeah, we and I in the course takes us back to the course, but uh my you know, I have the writing course and, and one of the modules in it is mining your life for stories. And that's about that's what we do. It's like well I kinda of talk about how do I look at my life through the lens of uh and I don't know how we got here. This the topic was when good shows go bad, but we got here somehow. Is how do I look at my life uh, of, you know, at, from a distance and think, oh, that lunatic is going in my script or, you know, my manuscript or whatever. That's how do I how do I find all these weird things from my life and turn it into a story and and how and they teach you how to do that as well, because you're all everyone listening to is a gold mine. You, most of you think you're not. Most of you think you're boring. Uh, you don't you have no idea how interesting you are. And but you are. You just have to learn how to get it out. You just have to learn how to express it. Uh, it, the, the source, there's plenty of source material. We just have to teach you how to get it out. So. Yeah. And, and we've talked about it as well, but I've had the, the luxury of attending the Sundance Labs many times. Mm -hmm. And I was a Redford scholar, so I got to go through this writing process. And, you know, it's a process uh, by which you take instances and experiences from your life and embed them into your character to make your character more interesting and relatable. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and this whole thing is, you know, I read early on in my studies that I am not the protagonist. My protagonist is not me. They are not going to do things the way I do. Stephen King in On Writing says that if you ever are, are writing and you think I would never do that, good. You are not the character. The character will have its life of its own and do things. And I'm shocked by some of the things I write that I would never yeah. do. But my characters right. will do. Right. right? Um, and this is to say the Sundance process really taught me you are not the protagonist, but you are all of your characters. Right. They are, right. This, this is you embedding your experiences provides the richness and, and connection that the viewer will will connect to. Even even Larry David says this on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like he plays himself. He plays Larry David. But he, he says, I don't do 90% of that stuff. It's stuff that I, I think about doing, but I keep myself in check. Yeah. But I kind of want to do. I wish I had done. Yeah. And so and that makes this, that's a really interesting character.
Um, yeah. So it's all, you know, we all have it. Just be aware of it. You know, yeah. that's yeah. good stuff. Mike. I think this is a very helpful podcast and, you know, hopefully I think like you said, I don't know how we got to this point, but I, I mean, there's a very clear line, which is we, we write stories, we run out of these human emotional connections. And so okay. writers change the dynamics to imbue them with more opportunities for these dramatic, op- realistic moments. And that's over time changes things. Um, and this is how we do that. This is how we come up with those emotional ideas. But yeah. this going back to even our last episode where we went over my script and we talked about like, this is the stuff that was lacking, right? This is yeah. the interesting stuff. Yeah. The great more the, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, listen, that was a good, that's a good one. And I don't know if I mentioned, I hope I didn't. I felt, I know I repeat myself, but one show I recently watched that I, I just love uh, is Somebody Somewhere. Did we talk about this on a podcast? No, this yet? Is, no we, we didn't, didn't talk about this at all. Oh, good. So I watched the show Somebody Somewhere on HBO because my friend, uh, Rob Cohn, who's a writer turned director, he he directed a bunch of episodes. And he, so he said, hey, watch my show. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll watch your show. And um, the pilot, it was beautifully written. And it was so personal. And it's about a woman who, uh, I guess she's in her 40s and kind of like has like a loser life. She's kind of, she's kind of squandered the last 15 years of her life. And she goes back home. And uh, this is the premise of the show. And she, so I'm not ruining everything. She goes back home and she befriends um, uh, this, this guy, this gay guy who in high school knew her, who looked up to her, who adored her, but she didn't know he was alive because she was, he thought she was the queen bee. She thought she was a star and, you know, the, 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 the beautiful girl. And she didn't even know he was alive. And then, cause she's in, in the, it's because she was so insecure. She didn't even, she didn't even look at anybody. She was just like in her own little stuck little world. And then she goes back home and they form a friendship and he sees her the way he remembers her, which is like this beautiful star. And she's so insecure. She thinks she's just this horrible loser. And that's the premise of the show. And it was so beautifully written. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the backstory about it at all. But after I watched it, I said to my wife, I was like, that had to have been based on a true story that had, there's so much in there that feels absolutely hundred percent true and unique and interesting. And if I were to write, if I thought I said to her, if I were to write this story, I would have screwed it up. I would have, I would have not have gone as deep as the person who wrote it because it was all based on her life. It was all true. And so I would have written the bad version of this and she wrote the good version and it's because she lived it. And it, that it just never, it wouldn't have occurred to me. Like if I were to write that story, I probably would have made her character, the, 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 the mean girl, the popular cheerleader in high school who was, um, you know, the, everyone loved the mean girl, the star. And she was like a, a bitch, but, but, you know, and she looked down on everybody. And then she comes back home and she thinks she's all that. And she comes back home 15 years later and realizes she's wasted her life and she squandered it. Now she's being humbled. That's the version I probably would have written. Uh, and then in, 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 in present day, she doesn't even remember being the bitch in high school because that's how far she's fallen. She can't even identify with that person. But that's not the version of the show. In the show... When she was in high school, she wasn't the mean girl. She was just, you know, an average normal girl who with very low self-esteem, who didn't even know, it's not, you know, it wasn't like she was mean to people. She was only mean to her. She was mean to herself, mm-hmm. which is so interesting. The fact that, so she wasn't humbled. She was always humble. She was always damaged, which is so interesting. Better, better than my, I think it's better than my version. Because um, yeah. I, I think I've seen my version. But her version, because it was taken from her life, the star's life, 
uh, beautiful, beautifully written. And it was only because she had the bravery to share uh, and the knowledge how to share it, the bravery to share it and also the knowledge on how to share it, how to, how to lay out a story. So go watch that. Really good. Yeah, that's great. And I'll check that out too. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Michael. Again, I think it's a really good stuff here. And you know, I just want to thank you personally for all the great stuff. I know myself as a writer, I've grown tremendously just doing the podcast with you. Yeah. Um, excluding the stuff in the course, which definitely has helped me be more of a craftsman. Just thinking about it professionally and understanding, you know, even the question, why do bad shows, why do shows go bad after five seasons? Or why do, what makes a good show bad? Well, that's someone who's not thinking about the core job of someone new, which is how can I write something so good that it gets attention and gets me staffed on a show, which yeah. is they're, they're thinking about how do I write a good series? Not yeah, the forget f- about that. one good episode, write the one <laughs> pilot, right? You know, write a pilot that's good and, and, yeah. and get attention for right. that. Yeah. Just one episode. But start there. You're the, you're, you're the only person saying that everyone else is selling the dream and talking about how you can, you know, knock it out of the park and be that Cinderella story who makes it overnight. And, yeah, that's just a path to insecurity and stress and pain when really you could just have fun and really dive yeah. into yourself and embed your characters with you. And, and that's what's going to connect with someone and get you hired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go check out the course, michaeljammin.com test course. We'll help you out. We'll help you out. <laughs> awesome. Uh, other than that, watch list. I think the watch list is the other place. Yes. Um, Michael, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so once a week, this is Phil had this idea where we send out the, our top content uh, for actors, writers, and uh, and creatives, and it's free. And we send you an email every Friday, and to get on and get join my watch list, and you get this all for free. My top videos. Go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. We'll see you there, and then you can sign up. If you if it gets too much for you once a week, unsubscribe. It's not a big deal. You know. Yeah. Go go get it. There's free stuff. I, you know, go get it. <laughs> good stuff too. Good stuff. Lots of good comments on uh, YouTube and Instagram coming from the watch list. So. Yeah. Go engage. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Keep riding. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jamin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram facebook and tiktok at phil a hudson this episode was produced by phil hudson and edited by dallas crane until next time keep writing